0: Welcome to Sharpen, a series from the Alpha Psi chapter of Beta Upsilon Chi. Sharpen is a leadership development program designed to help grow and empower Christian men to become faithful leaders in their organizations, families, and workplaces. Let's get started. for our second session of Sharpen. My name is Isaac Irvin, and I'm here with Ethan Worrell, our current treasurer, and Elijah Earle, who's our current vice president and president-elect. Welcome, guys.
1: Good to be here. Also good to be here. All right. My house.
0: There you go. Well, I'm so glad to be able to be talking with you guys this week about Own It, which is the title of this week's session, uh, Great Leaders Innovate and Inspire. So I'll start just by sharing some information and I'll ask you guys some questions. We'll jump into it. So uh, the first part of this will start with inspire. So I want to borrow some language from a leadership model from Kuzas and Posner. And so they use language of inspire a shared vision and challenge the process. These are kind of two of the main things we'll be talking about today. So first, inspiring a shared vision. So great leaders really know how to get people to rally behind a goal and a mission. And so I like to say that they can construct within the imagination of the people that they are leading what the world will look like where their mission is being accomplished. And so a lot of what this looks like is motivating people without just relying on money or perks, but actually motivating them with the vision itself. I also want to differentiate between goals and vision. So a vision is something that's never necessarily accomplished. It's really the the end goal of what we're striving toward and what we're always striving toward. A goal is something that's usually shorter term, and it's clear when it's accomplished. So we need to have goals with clear timelines and ways to measure success. Otherwise, we have no idea of how well we're doing accomplishing our mission. So a quote that I really like is from a pastor named Jonathan Pakluda, and he says that, Leaders remove confusion. And I think this applies really well with what we're talking about, which is that we need to have a really clear understanding of this is where we want to go. That's the vision. And then this is where we currently are. And that kind of goes to what we talked about last week with uh, self awareness, social awareness. And then here's where we are going to go and, and how we're going to get there. So that's the goals piece. And so, really good leaders are able to tangibly connect all of those things together. I also want to use some examples of current vision statements that I really like. So Habitat for Humanity, their vision is a world where everyone has a decent place to live. The Boy Scouts of America, theirs is to prepare every eligible youth in America to become a responsible, participating citizen and leader who is guided by the scope, oath, and law. Then in 1962, John F. Kennedy gave a great vision to America where he said that we would put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And then less than a year later, Martin Luther King Jr. proclaimed his vision for America. He said, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And so, and you could even apply this to Bucks as well, right? So it was the vision of the founding fathers to have a fraternity of committed Christian men based on the unique brotherhood that a Christian atmosphere affords for the purpose of fellowship and glorification of Jesus Christ. We all know that language. So um, yeah, it's also really easy for organizations to lose their vision, so to speak. And uh, this is why it's really important to focus on things like a mission statement, identity statement. But uh, I want to bring you guys in on some of this. So when we talk about vision and goals and what it means to be a person who leads in an inspiring way, like, is there anything you would just add to
1: that generally? Uh, yeah, I'll bounce off of that. Uh, so I think the key word here in inspire, um, digging a bit deeper into what that means is not just positing a statement or a vision, even if it is a true vision that you have as a leader for your organization, but really researching, knowing who you're working with, knowing the people that are either under you or leading alongside you um, and crafting that along with them. because at the end of the day, it's got to end up being a shared vision and you won't be able to inspire that if it's something you kind of fed to them. Because even if it has a lot of your values imbued in that statement, um, it won't have the same thought process and heart uh, from everyone incorporated into it if it's just something um, that you posit and even if it's affirmed. Um, So in developing a mission statement, I'd say, there's an importance in bringing a lot of other people into that in some regard or another, even if bringing them into that is just knowing them really well. And if you can really get to know them, really compile what you imagine are their visions or what they've told you are their visions or goals, um, letting those values uh, be measured by the one vision statement that you craft together will, like you said, remove confusion. Um, because at the end of the day, if the statement by which we measure everything we do um, makes sense to some, but like only sort of makes sense to others or just sounds sounds all right or is lofty, really non-concrete language, um, it could create confusion. When you inspire it, it'll carry its own momentum through the, through the hearts of the people you're leading, not just yourself.
0: Yeah, it's like making sure everyone has a personal stake in what the mission is and is all kind of on the same board and has consensus behind it. I like that.
2: One thing that I think is really important about your your mission um, statement or just your statement of values is that it should help. It's a lot like a, like a business strategy. It should drive the decisions that you're making. Um, so if you have a vision or a strategy that's too broad, um, or if you don't have one at all, right? Like if you don't have a purpose, anything will do. Like if you don't have a destination, anywhere will get you there. So I think when when crafting those, or when if, if it's something new, or when if you're going to an organization or a business, um, and they already have one, getting a really good understanding of that uh, is important because it can help you evaluate what you're doing. So when you have multiple options, You should be able to look at your purpose and your vision and say, is this in line with that? Is this not in line with that? Or maybe which of these options is the most in line? And then you can also look at things that are going on in your organization and say, hey, like maybe this doesn't fit with our vision statement or "Hey, that's a great idea for something new, but I'm not sure that's our job here at this organization. So we talk about like Bucks and being a church. Like the church does a lot of great things, um, but not all of those are, are things that Bucks should be doing. Like those are different spheres in a lot of ways, although we are both focused on spiritual development. Um, so I think that Bucks has a really good understanding of who we are as an organization, what's for us, what's um, kind of outside our purview.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, let, let me drill down to you guys personally then in terms of having a vision for yourself and how that affects your decision making. So what would you say are some goals, high level goals that you have for yourself and how are you structuring your own personal life to help achieve that?
1: I'd say the vision for the vision statement for my life um, is mainly a measurement of what I'm doing. How does it either permeate my own life or my own processes with glorifying Christ? Or how does it help me prioritize someone else's relationship with Christ? Um, And that is, while very hard to adhere to sometimes, it's a good way of acknowledging what's a distraction in my life, what's not worth it, versus something that may not seem at first hand to be a way of either getting someone in touch with uh, their own relationship with Jesus or dedicating myself to that. Uh, It may not seem like that at first hand, but um, upon further like analysis of that, um, I'm able to see how the light of the kingdom is spreading, um, through my own actions, my own interactions. And if, if I don't have something to measure that by, um, I can, I can justify putting some aspects of that in a box, right? And so soon devotional time and prayer time and, uh, even talking about God, like I have a quota or I have a real cap that day um, that I can reach um, if I don't have a vision statement by which I measure everything by. Um, and if, I, if that's not my vision, if edifying Christ is not my vision, um, then I justify a percentage of my life being like, it's totally fine for me to spend a whole week doing nothing but play video games or something like that. That's not inherently evil, but like, what am I doing to myself? How am I shooting myself in the foot by doing that um, in my relationships with other people? So uh, I'd say that's what I try to point everything to in my life. Uh, And it's, yeah, it's a metric for me.
2: One thing that I'll add is um, when we talk about evaluating decisions or like encouraging culture, um, values are a lot stronger than like statement like guidelines or um like rule sets um because values are seen as more aspirational they're more encouraging um and they hit the heart behind like what a rule or something would set like the bare minimum for uh and so i think when when you're looking at your personal mission statement or evaluating like the actions in your own life um at the bible um and like god's word offer Values for you that are aspirational, that are encouraging you um, to strive to be a better Christian, to improve on your relationship with God, to love your neighbor. Uh, I think that that's something that we can look to when we're trying to apply this to our personal lives. Is the values that are laid out
0: in the Bible? Yeah, no. Being value driven is huge, and it also allows you to point people back to that as some accountability more so than even a mission statement. If you can say hey like we really value here excellence and pursuing excellence as a mission and that's not being accomplished in this specific area instead of drawing it to some high-level corporate language that may not be totally resonate uh, with everyone um yeah i mean i think that goes back to just the fact that people really want to be part of something bigger than themselves they want to feel that what they're doing is meaningful And so that's really at the heart of what vision is being someone who can communicate how what we're doing is meaningful and how every person is important to that. So that's all really good. What, uh, when you think about motivating people to take ownership themselves of what's happening, what are things that come to mind? So one thing you can do is just share the vision and try and get some shared momentum behind that. But if you have someone that doesn't quite have the buy-in or the personal ownership, what do you do to help get that person to be bought into what's going on?
2: Two, two things that jump to mind. Um, one of them is just getting at the heart behind the vision um, and just trying to communicate that to them. I think that sometimes people can see um, just language or identity statements or those kind of things, um, and they can acknowledge them without engaging behind them. Uh, And so I think that the second thing is trying to get them to connect with it personally. Uh, And so I think that in order for that to sink in, if you just talk to them about what the heart behind it is, maybe what that means to you. Um, then you can increase buy-in when they begin to connect with it. I think that once they connect with it, that's how they can start to to own it themselves.
1: Yeah. And going along with that, I'd say, along with sharing the pragmatic aspect of it where it's rung true in your life or in the life of the organization thus far, you can kind of point to some of the ways that adhering to these values or that heart has corresponded to the success of the organization thus far, um, and just how the, the engagement aspect of the vision um, isn't something to shy away from just because the vision might be a very uh, lofty, uh, long-term uh, kind of scope there. Because like Ethan said, a lot of people can, be, uh, can acknowledge it's there um, but not really be engaged with it or really be pursuing that or understand uh, necessarily um, how how that aligns. because if I have a vision statement that's just to to better the, the lives of Christian men on a college campus, um, but you're you're asking me why, um, then we're getting together to do this one particular event that's just like, it seems like it's somewhat bettering the lives, but I don't see how it's like really reaching everyone. or I don't see exactly where the improvement is. Um, It's important to kind of connect, um, like Ethan said, the heart um, and try to reach them not only through your, through your own heart behind that vision statement, but understand where they're coming from and what they, what they had in mind um, when it came to, what adhering to that vision means if they don't understand.
0: Yeah, no, drawing everything back to having a meaning, drawing it all back to why every event is actually contributing to what's going on in the mission. That's, that's a great point. Ethan, anything you'd add to that?
2: Yeah, one thing, actually, from the last time we talked about this unrecorded um, that, I, that I have wrote down in my notes and, and have been looking at is um, the idea that your vision is kind of that broad, um over time like this is this is what we're pursuing uh and then you to achieve that vision um you break it up into short-term goals um and then the goals are the the measurable things that you're trying to to get done um and one thing that good leaders who are who are owning it do is they connect those dots from goal to goal but also they bring in the people that are alongside and they help them understand how the dots of the goal are achieving the overall vision.
0: Yeah, draw it back to the why every time. That's that's really solid. Yeah, and I would add too, even when we think about how do I identify what our vision is or how do I identify even opportunities or or ways to move, there's an article from Crew that I came across that I really liked on Vision, and they just list a couple of questions you can ask yourself or as an officer corps, you can uh, talk about or think about. Uh, and this would be, what am I really dissatisfied with? You know, what needs to be done that isn't being done? What are you, we uniquely positioned and equipped to do? What untapped opportunities lie before us? What is God doing around us? And what are my dissatisfactions, desires, hopes, and dreams for the future? These are great questions to be asking yourself regardless of where you're at in your chapter, whether you're just a recently initiated brother, whether you're an incoming officer, uh, these are all great things to be thinking about. And even specifically about your chapter, asking like, hey, where do I want my chapter to be by the end of this school year, by the time I graduate? Uh, and then how do I personally want to shape it and communicate how I'm shaping it towards that new vision? So that, that's a big piece of it. Uh, the, the other flip side of this, of course, is innovating. And so part of taking ownership in your organization is yes, just being the person who can throw themselves in, keep their head down and be a team player. There's definitely a time for that, especially right at the beginning when you're a new person and you're coming in, you don't want to be the guy who thinks he knows everything. Uh, And so that definitely has a time and a place. The other side of that, though, is if everyone just sticks to the status quo, nothing will ever improve or grow. And so once you feel like, you know, you've gotten your bearings and you have some room to be able to have that established trust with your team and your supervisors, uh, I would encourage you to start thinking about how can we do things better? How can we be more creative or efficient and effective? And so this is, I, I mentioned Kuznets and Posner, this is what they call challenging the process. And there's a, a psychologist, and author named Adam Grant, and he says he has a TED talk where he's referencing this, talking about being an innovator. And he says that being an innovator is about being the kind of person who takes the initiative to doubt the default and look for a better option. So when we talk about challenging the process, that's really what this is, is being able to take a step back and say, hey, maybe this isn't the best way of doing things. So part of your role as a leader is not only doing this yourself, but also creating an environment and a culture where people feel safe enough to do this themselves. So great leaders are able to establish that trust to where there's shared commitment and understanding of hey we all have permission to look for ways to improve so kind of a model for this comes from patrick Lincioni. it's called the five dysfunctions of a team and it's basically a pyramid so the base uh, there, there's five different layers and at the base is absence of trust and then the second is fear of conflict the third is lack of commitment Four is avoidance of accountability. And then the top is inattention to results. And so if you don't have your base of having trust and vulnerability, you're not going to be able to achieve any of those other layers. So it's extremely important that you're able to create that and make sure that everyone has that buy-in, that everyone has trust in each other's competence and character to be able to actually be an effective team and an effective leader. So I'll put it back to you guys. So when we talk about innovating, like what does that practically look like? Do you have any examples of things maybe where you've challenged the process, so to speak, and, and changed something for the better?
1: I'd say um, for me, uh, going back to the absence of trust thing, uh, in terms of innovating for a vision statement, while you're thinking of the values you want to imbue in that, and while you're thinking of who that involves and who you're working with, you also need to be considering your authenticity among those who are going to be either adhering to this mission statement, vision statement with you uh, or forming this vision statement with you um, that they can turn to you and see you as an exemplar of what's that vision statement entails. When it comes to innovating, again, I personally, th- Feel like innovating is a very multi person process. It's a team effort. Especially if you have preconceived and uh, long standing ideals within an organization, um, you want to be embodying those uh, such that when new leadership comes or such that when people, even new members, come, uh, they can really already understand from the get go uh, how things run around here um, and why it matters so much because they see the people that have been here for a long time doing it and why it results in success. So the innovation is hard to get at without first imbuing the values in your own life that you seek from your organization. For me,
2: the first thing that I think about when I think about innovation is dreaming. Like when, say there's a Bucks event, think about how it went dream about how it could have gone better um where did it maybe fall short where could it go better where did it go well What could go even better you know dream like what if it was bigger what if there was more people what if it was smaller we spent less on food and we spent more on decorations or advertising but those kind of things just like what what could be different what could be improved um and i think um one one thing to just owning it and innovating is just all the time just dreaming, thinking to yourself, what could we do a little bit better? What could we do a lot better? Um and that's not always just uh, building on what's there it is great. Um, but dreaming will also lead you sometimes to see like where are there gaps? Like where are we not doing things that we should be doing? Um and then get connecting to the vision statement. Maybe we're doing some things that we shouldn't be doing. Just just dreaming I think will really uh, gets gets the wheels turning. Uh, And as far as implementing, um, or as far, and as far as thinking of innovation, kind of outside of dreaming, or even using dreaming, I think one thing that's been really useful for me is experience, just like learning from what the people before you were doing. Most people get at least one active semester in Bucks before they're an officer, or before leadership positions or in any organization, you're going to start at the bottom. Um, and just using that time to see what are those around me doing? What are those above me doing? And eventually, what are those below me doing? And how can we do that better? And also, of course, learning from your own mistakes. Um, you know, what did what did I not do as well? Maybe that when I move on to a different role, maybe I retire as an officer as I'm handing this position off. You know what can I encourage the next guy to do that could be an innovation on how things have already gone, so i the things that jump out to me um were the were dreaming, just thinking about possibilities, ways to improve um and just kind of assessing how you're doing in regards to your 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 vision as well as learning from trial and error experience just of those around you and most importantly yourself,
0: yeah. No, it's good. I I love how you bring it back to both of you did this of of tying it to the idea of vision of how everything that we do should have a why associated to it. And that why cannot be this is just the way we do it. (laughs) Like it needs to be attached to our values, and to our purpose. And if it's not, we should probably spend some time of thinking about why we're doing something that way. And if there's a way we can be more effective at it. And then there's also that element, Ethan, you kind of touched on this of a level of humility that you bring to that of I'm not going to go in assuming I know the best way of doing something. In fact, I'm going to try and invite other people into how can I be better and how can I grow and how can I have other people filling in my blind spots and uh, we can collectively use each other's wisdom and knowledge to to grow in that way. So that's really good. Anything else of Ways maybe to innovate or how to get people to start thinking about how do I find ways to improve on something?
1: I'd say um, bring simplicity into the conversation when it comes to visions because a lot of times we can seek to encompass a lot of values in one vision statement, but in doing so, we create a very ambiguous. Uh, very ambiguous idea of what this organization is. Um, and so when it comes to Bucks, um, I think of all the time, uh, the fact that we are reconciling uh, some of our activity and what we do with the fact that we also want to maintain our identity as a social fraternity and not a church. As, as Ethan said earlier, there's, there's specific roles to be fulfilled by both organizations that both edify Christ Um, but the purpose of the fraternity is more to be a, not only social outlet, but a place where men can sharpen one another at college, um, tied it back to the title, but, but men can sharpen one another at college in a place where usually people fall away from the faith, um, and to be able to turn to role models and to be able to, have that community with other men that are pursuing the same uh, life in Christ that we are. Um, whereas the mission of a church um, from the beginning has been to perpetuate um, the, the story of Jesus Christ to go out and to, to, Im- to make things like books, right? And to make, and to make missions uh, to those who have not heard the story of Christ Um, to bring those that don't know about the gift of salvation um, to accepting it. And so I think Bucks, while it can do that, while it can be a force for that, um, I think Bucks is a bit more of a proxy for what a church already is. So introducing some simplicity or winnowing away at some aspects of your vision that push it to be too general or push it to be, outside of really your scope of influence or even honestly to areas that you'd have no business, um, trying to speak into. Um, I I think of, uh, I think of Facebook, how it does literally everything and I cannot sit on it for more than two minutes without getting confused anymore. I want to go to Instagram, which does one or two things really well. I want to go to Snapchat, which does like one thing really well. Um, and I, I understand that that social media analogy might not resonate with a lot of people, but I do think um, there's a reason why sometimes streamlining a platform can be like streamlining an organization in terms of the way you're able to do your main functions is much stronger if you keep it simple and easily well-defined rather than a really ambiguous uh, catch-all
0: yeah, no, that's really good, Elijah. Having a very simple, clearly defined mission statement and, and vision of what you are doing is really helpful. Actually, our chapter, I think, has done really good at this. We have our own mission statement for our chapter, which is that the Alpha Psi chapter of Beta Upsilon Chi exists to establish a lifelong brotherhood among committed Christian men at Indiana University. By submitting to the Holy Spirit in everything, we grow and empower men to be faithful leaders in their organizations, families, and workplaces. Through exciting and uplifting events, our fraternity exemplifies the love of Christ on our campus. And that's something that we repeat literally every chapter out loud together. And it's actually been really centering, I think, for us and allowed us to really simplify and tie it back to all of those things. In fact, this resource, Sharpen, was really born out of trying to accomplish that with the Grow and Empower Men to be Faithful Leaders. So I think that is super valuable. One final point that I'll add, On just this idea of own it and innovating and and establish trust is the idea of giving and receiving feedback. So one thing that our chapter does well, I think, is that uh, every semester the officer corps does what's called 360 feedback. So uh, every officer will share uh, about all the other officers one thing of an encouragement, something they think they've really excelled at, done well, and then another area where you're essentially encouraging them to grow into or or you know, constructive criticism. And that's been really helpful for me. I mean, it's a little uncomfortable, but at the end of it, we all feel like we've grown a lot. At least I know I have uh, being able to hear both really kind words from the guys I'm leading with and also areas of blind spots for myself uh, and being able to give that, create space to give that for other guys too. So I've found that really helpful. Uh, anything else on like the idea of feedback that y'all would share?
2: One thing that I think that ties into uh, is the five dysfunctions of a team. For there to be open and honest feedback, uh, the, the first layer of the, the five dysfunctions is trust. You have to have trust with your team, um, not just that you believe the words that they're saying, uh, but it expands beyond that to, like, I trust um, the people around me to you know offer feedback for my benefit, um, that what they're seeing... Um, and what they're speaking, they're speaking out of out of love and out of care. They're trying to drive me to be a better person, and I trust these. Um, yeah, I, I just I trust the guys that are around me. Uh, and then the feedback comes into uh, the the second layer, which is fear of conflict. Um, and you have to trust the people around you in order to engage in conflict. I have to be able to, you know, trust that I can say my thoughts and my opinion, and you can say your thoughts and your opinion. We'll all put our thoughts and opinions out there. And at the end of the day, the, the core or the group or the board will make the best decision from that.
0: Yeah, no, that's all really good. I mean, that even ties into what we talked about in the last session, too, about uh, emotional intelligence and being able to handle conflict well is so crucial for leaders. So this is all really interrelated and good stuff. Any final points from you, Elijah?
1: Yeah, I think feedback is not only beneficial for you as you are helping to guide the people around you as well as understand um, understand what you're getting at with your vision statement as a group, but also it helps you understand the people around you in the sense that you know how and where they feel like they fit within the current vision statement as it is. You understand kind of their position identity Within the, within the organization, whether it's just a member or whether they're one of the other leaders or whether they uh, have a specific sphere of influence, you really, through their feedback, get to understand how your vision statement is impacting them and where they see themselves within it. And so if they feel like there's not a place for them within your vision statement, then that's important for you to weed out immediately. Um, to really go back and and hit, hit the drawing board again, um, or at least make some amendments. Um, I think some of the responsibilities of individuals, like what they see themselves as responsible for, uh, under the vision statement as well, point to uh, how well and how how often you're communicating uh, that vision statement with the people that are that are using it to justify and define what they do for the organization
2: one thing that i've heard our our spiritual advisor for the chapter say is that just one of the ways that he operates is he says very simply show up love deeply so that doesn't even directly reference feedback um but that's kind of his motto for approaching that is that the feedback is with love And at the end of the day, the the feedback is less important than the other person feeling like you're there and present uh, and loving towards them. And that remembering that reminded me of a quote that I really like um, from from Timothy Keller. And he says that love without truth is, sorry. uh, And that reminds me of a quote that I like from Timothy Keller, where he explores feedback and the interplay between uh, that including both love and truth. And he says that love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. And so I think that that's something that we can all strive for, is to give feedback, to speak truth in love the way that that God models that for
0: us. Man, absolutely. That's a great way to end. Good note to leave us on. This has been uh, Ethan Worrell and Elijah Earl. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about uh, innovation and inspiration. We'll see you guys next time.